mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, it's back to school time for Findlay City students. Back to school doesn't just mean a big change in our kids' daily routine. It means the return of important safety rules and regulations that commuters need to remember as well. Also this morning, conquering the lunchtime challenge. How to pack a lunch your kids will want to eat that'll also help improve school success. And building on our conversation yesterday about using artificial intelligence to help your business, there are also opportunities in making AI itself your business. We'll explain. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, August 22nd, 2023. if you saw this story or not i saw the image and it is it's like it was photoshopped the among the charred homes in lahaina on the uh, island in maui among all of the charred homes and it's just the pictures are dramatic the entire town is gone except for one single home right there on the beach that appears to be virtually untouched. Have you seen this picture? Uh, It's an aerial shot of the devastation of the fire in Lahaina, and there is one home from this neighborhood that is apparently that was untouched. It is a 100-year-old, 100-year-old home on Front Street. Uh, The residence still standing while the surrounding area is reduced to ash. Uh, It looks like it was photoshopped in, according to the uh, homeowner. Um, The uh, couple that owns the home, the Millikens, they were on a trip to Massachusetts when they heard about the fire. And according to a report on Fox News, they learned later that the whole neighborhood had been caught in the blaze and uh, was likely gone. But then, the next morning... Aerial footage appeared to show their home completely intact. Mr. Milliken said, we just, we were overcome. We started crying. Uh, And then they felt kind of guilty because all of their neighbors had lost everything and their home was untouched. Turns out the couple purchased the home in 2021 uh, and it had been in a state of disrepair when they purchased it, they did some renovations, but they said it's not like we did anything special. We didn't fireproof it or anything. It is a wooden house. So why their home was spared when others burned, they have no idea. Now, uh, it is uh, the home was built using California redwood, which does have some natural fire resistant properties. But other than that, there's nothing special about it. Um the uh, they have no idea why it was spared, um, but they are thankful. But at the same time, feel a little bit guilty. And I would imagine, I you know, I can think that that would kind of make you feel guilty about it, wouldn't it? I mean, because everybody in your neighborhood loses everything, and your home is completely untouched. I mean, it's fortunate for you, but uh, heartbreaking for Evan. It's just amazing when you see the uh, photo. If you haven't seen it yet, you can Google that, and it does. It looks like it was just photoshopped in uh, to the uh, neighborhood, but 
Uh, interesting story there. They are now down to less than a thousand people who are unaccounted for in and around Lahaina. Uh, originally, the number unaccounted for was something like 2,000 people, and they're now down to just a few hundred. The good news in that story, and you know how the news reports are the number of people who have died, and that's tragic and that's sad, and it's certainly valid to report on the number of people who have died, but more than 1,200 or some 1,200 people that were initially reported missing have been located and are safe. I mean, they may have lost everything, but they are safe physically. So that's kind of, that's the good news in this whole thing. It could have been a much, much bigger tragedy than uh, it is turned out to be, but certainly best uh, wishes to those who were impacted by that fire. Here's a, a story uh, that I saw on the uh, Newswire this morning, and this has not give, uh, been generating the headlines that it did a few months ago, but the feud between Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and the Walt Disney Company continues. Uh, there are already a couple of lawsuits. You recall the governor stripped Disney of its special self-governing status and uh, so on. Well, now... Uh, the board, Governor Ron DeSantis's appointees to the board that oversees Disney World's governing district on Monday launched a battle against the company on a new front, free passes and discounts for district employees. This is a, um, story in Fortune magazine, uh, or Fortune's online, uh, website. Board members of the Central Florida Tourism Oversight District submitted a complaint to the state inspector general claiming that the millions of dollars in season passes, as well as discounts on hotels, merchandise, food and beverages, and so on, that their Disney-supporting predecessors provided governing, governing district employees amount to unethical benefits and perks. Um, defenders of the perks say it's kind of like an employee benefit rather than a taxpayer scam, similar to the way professors at a university may get free passes to athletic events or free tuition for children and family members. Um, so whether this complaint goes anywhere or not, but uh, the battle between the House of Mouse and the Florida governorship is far from over. By the way, the other part of this story, which is kind of interesting, the complaint from the DeSantis appointees comes as the district administrator that they appointed last May faces an ethics dilemma of his own. Glenn Gilzian, I think is how you pronounce it, who earns uh, $400,000 annually at his new job, is also chair of the Florida Commission on Ethics. And according to, uh, according to state law, he cannot simultaneously be a commission board member and work for the district because the commission prohibits public employees from serving on its own board. Uh, so there is a bit of a conundrum there as well. So the battle rages on between Disney and Governor DeSantis, not making headlines the way it did a few months ago, but there's uh, still the back and forth uh, mudslinging and rock throwing on both sides. 
couple of the other uh, most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started here. When was the last time you ordered food delivery like DoorDash or Grubhub, Uber Eats, all of those food delivery services are struggling? Customers are avoiding the delivery fees in favor of dining in or picking up their own food. Delivery sales for a number of chains and for a number of delivery platforms um, have been dropping nationwide, and industry experts say the added fees and the expected tips are to blame. Because if you've ever ordered like DoorDash or Grubhub, the prices of your food uh, are higher than they are than the than the standard menu price. You're going to pay more for the items because they've tacked on delivery fees and then you're expected to tip the delivery drivers besides. So, you know, a $10 McDonald's meal could end up doubling in price by the time all is said and done and many consumers have begun to watch their spending more closely. According to Victor Fernandez of Black Box, which tracks these things, the total cost difference for the consumer is substantial. And so uh, eateries are responding by focusing on their dine-in experiences and um, not catering to their uh, delivery services so much. Of course, during the pandemic, delivery services were a lifeline for many uh, restaurants being able, the only way that they could stay open. But, uh, but now... Uh, that has passed. We talk about all the ways the pandemic changed things and how many things go back to normal and how many things be changed permanently. It appears that meal delivery services are not necessarily going to be one of the main uh, or one of the ways that that life changes forever because it's it's just too darn expensive. People are uh, watching their watching their money a little bit more closely. Uh, speaking of the uh, pandemic, one pandemic era uh, thing apparently is back. A private college in Atlanta is reinstating face mask requirements uh, just for two weeks because uh, there has been a rising number of COVID cases in that area once again. And uh, leaders at Morris Brown uh, College said that uh, that it is a precautionary measure being put in place for two weeks due to rising COVID cases. The school's president tells the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that there have been no cases identified on campus specifically, and they want to keep it that way. So two weeks to stop the spread. Got to wear face masks on the campus of Morris Brown. In Atlanta. Here we go again. We'll see if that uh, catches on. And uh, lastly, among the first things you need to know this morning, most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. Have you seen the new Barbie movie yet? Have you seen Oppenheimer or any of the other movies that are out there late summer that you have wanted to see but haven't gone to the theaters yet? Well, this weekend is going to be your opportunity to do that. National Cinema Day is back. More than 3,000 movie theaters across the country will offer discounted tickets on Sunday for National Cinema Day. 
All movies in all formats will cost $4 or less. Uh, that even includes Oppenheimer in IMAX, if showtimes aren't already sold out. It is the second annual National Cinema Day, hosted by the Cinema Foundation. Last year's event was the most attended day at the movies of 2022. So, and I think, I you know, when I see that, it kind of makes you makes you think that more people would go to... It was the biggest, most attended theater day of the year when movies were four bucks. Well, you know what that tells me? That if movies were a bit more affordable, more people would go to the movies. But they're just doing it for one day, and that is uh, on Sunday, National Cinema Day. So, let you know. There you go, some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Partly sunny skies expected today with a high in the low 80s. Partly cloudy tonight, uh, low in the mid-60s. Today's the first day of the new school year in Finley City Schools, and new superintendent, Dr. Andy Hatton, says a lot of work has gone into this day. When I say the team, I mean everyone from administrators to teachers to the food service staff to the bus drivers. Everyone's been preparing all summer long. I know that people think summer's off, but I tell you what, the Finley City Schools team has been working all summer to prepare. Dr. Hatton says he's really looking forward to his first year as superintendent of the school district, and he's received a very warm welcome. Meantime, the first day for Liberty Benton local schools will be Tuesday, September 5th. A man ended up in a Finley Creek after running from law enforcement during a traffic stop. The man was pulled over on East Main Cross, a little east of South Blanchard, on Monday afternoon. He fled the area on foot towards the east and got into Lye Creek in an attempt to elude deputies with the Hancock County Sheriff's Office. The man was taken into custody and loaded into a Hanco ambulance. See some video from the scene in the story on our website. Ohio Governor Mike DeWine's office is reporting a new record in Ohio. DeWine and Lieutenant Governor John Husted said that more than 5.6 million Ohioans are employed, making it the highest number of jobs filled in our state's history. They also reported that we set a record for low unemployment in July. He says that our rate was 3.3 percent, with it just under the national average of 3.5 percent. Onan's Betsy Kling reporting. The Finley-Hancock County Community Foundation has welcomed two new members to the Board of Trustees, Bill Conlisk and Alyssa Preston. Foundation Board Chair Patty Lucas says each brings a unique skill set, commitment, and passion for the community to help the foundation in advancing their mission of improving the quality of life for all in Hancock County. Bill is retired from Marathon Petroleum, and Alyssa is the director of the Hancock County Convention and Visitors Bureau. Learn more about both and the Community Foundation in the story on our website. Don't forget, you can always get more news online anytime at WFIN.com. Matt Demchek for 1330 WFIN and 95.5 FM. So Findlay City School students return to class today, and so that means it's time for a back-to-school refresher for the rest of us as well. Brian White, the Findlay Police Department, is with us on the line this morning. Yes, we know that kids should be looking both ways before they cross the street and checking for traffic when they're getting on and off the bus and not horsing around at the bus stop and all of that. That's the ideal world, Brian, but these are kids, of course, so it falls on us to be extra vigilant 
uh, especially right now during the beginning of the year, make sure that everyone stays safe. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Chris. Yeah, when we talk about kids, obviously we spend a lot of time talking to them about safety, where not it's crossing at an intersection where people can see them rather than in between cars, or careful on their bike riding to school, checking both ways. But let's face it, kids will be kids. Right. Sometimes they're going to look both ways and sometimes they're not going to. So we need to take it upon ourselves to be extra cautious when it comes to kids going to and from school. Especially right now where their mind is on you know, getting back to class and starting a new year and they're thinking about other other things and i guess the first thing is for parents to remind their kids of all of those things before they head out the door just drill that into their head one more time absolutely it's not going to hurt to remind them of uh, kind of those the safety tips on what to look out for, what to pay attention for, and just get their minds uh, on thinking safety because especially around schools, uh, there's going to be an increase in traffic, whether or not it's pedestrian traffic, bicycle traffic, or uh, vehicle traffic. So there's going to be a lot of uh, people coming to and from. Yeah. Uh, and then, as we were saying, as drivers, we always have to expect the unexpected when kids are around in school zones. Absolutely. You you almost have to expect that someone is going to dash out from in between the buses or in between the cars and into your uh, path of uh, travel. So uh, one of the big things I tell people is pay attention, right? Uh, not just uh, to kids, but also cell phones. A lot of times people are playing on our devices, which is illegal, but uh, mm-hmm. you need to pay attention and not be distracted when you're driving. And we're talking about distracted driving. It's not just our cell phones, which everyone thinks about. It's also those other items in the car, right? Maybe uh, the stereo or the food that you're eating, the drink that you have, or uh, the younger kids bouncing around, hopefully not bouncing around, but yeah. uh, yelling in the back seat. Right. right? Yep. Uh, and, it, and also, that's one of the reasons why the school zone speed limits are uh, lower uh, because of all of these issues. And again, as a reminder to drivers that we have rules we have to follow here, like those school zone speed limits that are now in effect again. Coming at the end of the summer, uh, it's kind of tough for a lot of people to wrap their heads around these school zones because we're just not used to them uh, during the summer months. But yes, you have to pay attention for the school zones. Now, it's not required that the school zones have flashing lights to alert drivers, but uh, those that are on kind of the major roadways, Mm -hmm. such as Broad Avenue, Main Street, we do have signs there to alert drivers. Yeah, and and, uh, I know we've talked about this in the past. A perfect example is you've got those flashing lights right there by the high school, but you go up a little bit further north on uh, Broad Avenue, you've got another school zone for... um, for uh, Heritage Christian, and that there is signed, but no lights. So again, it's still a school zone there. Yep, you'll see the signs that indicate where the school zone stops and where it ends. And whenever we're talking about school being in session, if there are kids coming or going to school and you see children present, you are required to slow down. And not only that, even outside of school zones, a lot of intersections near schools are no turn on red on school days. And again, we've kind of gotten used to that not being a factor, but we definitely want to uh, remind folks uh, about those rules and restrictions as well. Absolutely. It's just trying to make it as safe as possible for children that are trying to get across the street, right? If we come up to a stoplight and it's a red light and we want to make a right-hand turn, a lot of times we're looking to the left, looking for oncoming traffic, and you might not see that little kiddo off to the right that's getting ready to cross into the roadway. 
So that's why those are posted as no turn on red. And usually it's going to be school days during a certain time frame. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, things that we drivers need to be cognizant of. And let's also uh, go over what the law says about stopping for school buses that are loading or, uh, in the morning or, or unloading in the afternoon. Yeah, any driver that's approaching a school bus. Uh, school buses, they'll put on their amber lights. That's kind of your cue that uh, that school bus is getting ready to stop and either pick up kids or discharge children. So once you see the yellow lights uh, activate, you need to start slowing down, being prepared to stop. And at that time, the red lights will come out as well as a stop sign on the side of the bus. And that's you need to stop well before a bus and well behind a bus to give those kids um, extra safety. Yeah, again, they're not going to be watching for you in most cases, assuming that you're going to stop like you're supposed to. So, and the, the penalties for violating uh, the the school bus uh, requirements are are pretty stiff. Sure, it can be a fine up to five hundred dollars, which is not cheap by mm-hmm. any means. Anytime we're talking about a passing school bus uh, violation, it's a automatic uh, court date. So you do have to take time out of your schedule to go to court. Right. And then you get the pleasure of trying to explain to a judge of why you did not stop for a school bus. And on the subject of, of drivers, bear in mind that we not only have to keep an eye on kids that may be waiting for the bus or walking or, as you mentioned, riding their bike to school on these nicer days but also older students who are themselves drivers. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and uh, we spend a lot of time talking with teenage drivers about safety, distracted driving, and, you know, just learning how to operate a car uh, um, and being safe. But uh, we also have to uh, help them become yeah. good drivers as well. Yeah. So parents talk with the kids about driving, uh, make sure that they're limiting how many people are in the car. And the, the law actually prescribes for some of this, that they can only have so many passengers in the vehicle with mm-hmm. them during certain times, uh, certain times that they're allowed to be operating the vehicle. But we have to offer some encouragement to them to, to yeah. uh, help them and set a good example for them. Right, exactly. And uh, remember that uh, there's going to be added traffic uh, on your morning and afternoon commute uh, because of the addition of student drivers and you know young not student drivers necessarily but uh young people driving and and so on so traffic may be a little more congested for that reason as well so a lot of things to remember uh as we get into back to school not just for the families with kids who are heading back to class but for all of us Uh, again brian white the finley police department with us this morning some very timely reminders on this first day of school brian thanks very much for taking the time we appreciate it absolutely chris thanks for having me take care and have a good school year So on this first day of school for many area students, a lot of parents going to be dutifully packing their kids' lunchbox only to discover about eight hours from now that it was a colossal waste of time because they didn't eat a single thing you packed. And if if this has ever happened to you, and I know it has because it's happened to every parent, childhood nutrition expert Dr. Nicole Avina is here with her ultimate guide to conquering the lunchtime challenge. Dr. Avina, it's always the the balancing act, right, between packing something the kids will like with something that is good for them. What are some creative strategies that parents can employ to encourage their kids to actually eat what we are packing for them? 
Yeah, you know, I'm a parent myself, and I can attest that the struggle is real. I have two little kids at home, and it yeah. can be a challenge to find that balance, right, of, you know, having something that's healthy and also having something that the kids actually like. So some things that I recommend to parents are to be persistent and be repetitive. It's been shown in research that it can take up to 15 exposures before a child develops an acceptance of a new food. So if you give your kid a healthy snack and they say they don't like it, that doesn't mean you should give up and try something else. You should be persistent. Keep offering it because over time, it can build up acceptance for the child and they can hopefully ultimately begin to like it. Also, I recommend getting kids involved with the process. Have them help to make the lunch. Have them help to cut up the fruit, pick out the snacks. Being a part of the process is going to have them feel some ownership over it. And they're mm -hmm. more likely to want to eat the food if they feel like they're participating in it. Not to mention the fact that that makes it a little bit less of a chore for mom and dad. What are some of the key nutrients that are particularly important for young growing children? This comes up a lot during back to school season because, you know, parents want their kids to be at the top of their game and be ready for school and right. have fun. And we know that nutrition plays a big role in all that. But what we found in the research is that nine out of 10 children are consuming less than the average recommended amount of at least one essential nutrient. So lots of kids are at risk for deficiencies. So we want to be mindful that kids are getting enough of their vitamin D. We also want to watch out for vitamin C and folate. And focusing on nutrition is a good way to do that. But it also is a good idea to think about incorporating a comprehensive multivitamin like Smarty Pants into the family's wellness routine. Yeah, I want to kind of uh, touch on that because I, I'm wondering, is this one of those pick-your-battles moments where at the end of the day, making sure that they eat something, even if it is not the healthiest option, is the most important thing? It's better to eat something rather than nothing. Well, you know, that's a really great question. And I think that it boils down to making sure that kids are getting, of course, calories, but the more important part of it is often the nutrients. Right. And so if kids are, you know, eating junk food for breakfast that doesn't have any nutrients in them, they're going to become malnourished. You mm -hmm. can be obese and be malnourished because right. you're not getting all the nutrients. So right. Nutrients are really important. So I think that, you know, it's really uh, about trying to encourage your kids just to have that healthy balance and to really focus on the nutrients and making sure that we get enough of those to make us stay well and stay feeling good, too. And as you mentioned, nutritional supplements can play a role in supporting, not replacing, but supporting uh, proper nutrition when, you know, the the lunch is not going to necessarily get it all done. And as you mentioned, the research shows that even the healthiest lunches don't always get them everything that they need. Yeah, absolutely. So the supplements are really designed to do just that, to supplement, to fill in those nutrient gaps that come when you have a picky eater or, you know, when the kids just aren't eating all of their lunch or the 
lunch is just not all that nutritious to begin with. And so Smarty Pants can help with that. They have their kids formula. They also have a kids formula with fiber that's made with vitamin D to help support the immune system. And then I really like their kids prebiotic and probiotic immunity formula. It's made with two strains of probiotics that help to support digestive health, but also support the immune system at the same time. And we have to make sure that we emphasize the reason why this is so important. You were alluding to it earlier. It makes a big difference in their academic success. uh, But there's uh, a lot of scientific evidence that uh, incorporating uh, all of these vitamins, uh, whether you know it's through food, through supplements, all of that, all of these nutrients, um, makes a big difference in kids' overall uh, health and well-being. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, you can see this if you take a look at kids who are eating a poor diet and not getting all the nutrients that they need. They're signs that they're sluggish, they're irritable. You know, there's lots of different behaviors that they can exhibit that can often be linked back to what they're eating. And so when you get the proper balance of nutrition, not only does it keep you physically healthy, but it also helps with your brain health, emotional health, and it can really make kids feel better. And it's an important basis for, you know, having their wellness in check. Yeah, they're going to uh, feel better. They're going to perform better. going to have more energy for all those extra, extra, uh, act, uh, extra curricular activities. Easy for me to say, you know, all of that stuff. Maybe I need to eat a little bit healthier and I'd be able to talk uh, for a change. Um, <laughs> Dr. Nicole Levina is with a childhood nutrition expert talking about uh, winning the lunchtime battle. And you have a, uh, you have more information online for us. Yes. If you want to learn more, you can go to smartypantsvitamins.com or check out their Instagram page at smartypants. And their products are available nationwide in stores and online at most major retailers and also on Amazon. Dr. Avina, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Okay. Thanks for having me. This is Good Mornings with Chris Oaks on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com and 95.5 FM. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. (laughs) This is uh, a story that I think we can all relate to. uh, If you've ever driven on a road with potholes uh, on it, I think we've all encountered potholes uh, a time or two in our lives. Trevor Kay of uh, Stockton, England, filed a claim with the borough council after potholes in the road damaged two of his tires. Mr. K says that as he turned onto Boathouse Lane, the Stockton Borough, both of his rear tires popped and flattened both of the potholes, flattened both of his rear tires. He pulled over and took photos of the tires and of the road, which contained as many as 10 large potholes. However, the council... The borough council is now asking Mr. K to identify exactly which pothole or potholes damaged his car. (laughs) He said, if I can't, they've, they've told me if I can't identify exactly which pothole I hit, I have no claim. He said, this is wrong. (laughs) That does seem oddly specific. (laughs) If the the road is full of potholes, to have to identify the specific pothole 
the specific offending pothole. The council says that they will be in touch with Mr. K soon. <laughs> Have to identify specifically which pothole flattened your tires. So. <laughs> That just seems like a sneaky way to try to get out of uh, their responsibility in the whole thing. Elsewhere in the broken news, the odd and unusual side of the headlines. Now, this is a headline that I never in a million years would have thought that I would have to read. And here it is. I'm quoting directly from the newswire here. A suspected arsonist in Australia was caught with ducklings in his underwear. Now, yeah, that's just a headline that you don't ever expect to read as a <clears throat> as a news professional, as a reporter, as a journalist. It's just not something, and you probably don't ever expect to hear that a suspected arsonist in Australia was caught with ducklings in his underwear. This is according to a Melbourne police report. 31-year-old was arrested Sunday night after a dozen fires were reported in the loading docks. Uh, of Melbourne, uh, also behind a school, outside a real estate agent's office, and in several trash cans around the city. After he was arrested, officials claim they found two live ducklings in his drawers. (laughs) The suspect is facing charges related to arson, possession of a weapon, and I'm guessing cruelty to animals. I don't know that, I'm just supposing, but... Two ducklings in his drawers. All right. (laughs) That is a full rich day right there. That is living it up. Speaking of animals in specifically Australian animals, this is something you would not expect to see. You might expect to see it in Australia, but not necessarily on the Coney Island boardwalk in New York. NYPD responded to reports of a person strolling down the boardwalk with a wallaby. Which, if you don't know what a wallaby is, it's basically, it, it looks like, and it's different than a kangaroo, but it looks like a small kangaroo. That's what a wallaby looks like. Um, <laughs> when cops arrived, they found the animal with its presumed owners. Uh, New Yorkers were a bit amused, but wallabies are actually illegal to own in most states, including New York. So the animal was seized and taken to the Animal Care Wildlife Care Center of New York City. Its owner has received a summons for possession of a wild marsupial. Which I would imagine is a crime you don't find too much in New York. Possession of a wild marsupial. But in this case, just a guy walking his kangaroo. This guy walking his wallaby. Uh, Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, a couple of other items here. Also from the international file, a Chinese woman. How would you like to have this happen to you? A Chinese woman cleaning her new apartment. She just moved into a new apartment. She was cleaning up, doing a deep clean. And she uncovered $56,000 in hidden valuables. Uh, Jing Jiping found a safe in the wall. Um... And inside the safe, I didn't know how she, maybe it wasn't locked, or maybe they knew the combination, somebody gave her the combination, I don't know. Anyway, inside the safe, there were gold rings, necklaces, certificates of deposit. She said, I was immediately immediately taken aback. Had no idea what to do. 
she alerted authorities who tracked down the grandson of the previous owner of the apartment, and he will receive the money. And as it turns out, it is quite the windfall because the grandson of the previous owner has had a number of medical issues. He actually is paralyzed. And uh, so his new inheritance uh, is very much appreciated, provides some uh, very welcome financial stability. So that's that's really cool. But can you imagine? I mean, it's glad it, glad it has a happy ending, but can you imagine, you know, just cleaning your apartment and uncovering $56,000 in valuables that somebody left behind? Uh, let's see here. Now, this is... I, I don't know. What do you say about this? Josh Hardy uh, reportedly is facing charges after an alleged theft at a Walmart in Oxford. Is this? Uh, I'm not sure what state this is Oxford, Calhoun County. Is that Georgia? I want to say Georgia. Maybe it's South Carolina. I'm not sure. Anyway. Uh, Josh Hardy uh, was arrested for theft at the local Walmart. What makes this interesting is that it is a Calhoun County correctional officer who was still in his uniform after finishing his shift at the jail. <laughs> and what did he steal? Pokemon cards. Pokemon cards. <clears throat> in his jail Correctional officer uniform happened on Saturday. The loss prevention team at the store reportedly witnessed Mr. Hardy unwrapping multiple packs of Pokemon cards, um, stealing several individual cards, sticking them into his pocket. As he attempted to exit the store uh, without paying, he was uh, confronted, tried to run away, but was eventually apprehended by uh, Oxford police at a nearby restaurant. He'll now be spending some more time at the jail, although he won't be in quite the same uniform. That's putting your job as a correctional officer at risk in your uniform to steal Pokemon cards. Not the sharpest tool in the shed there. And finally, in the broken news this morning... In an unusual twist to the classic dog ate my homework excuse, a Boston couple has found themselves in some pre-wedding turmoil due to their mischievous golden retriever. Uh, Donato Frat uh, Frateroli discovered that his passport had been chewed up by his dog. Uh, the playful puppy had torn through several pages of the document just weeks before he and his fiance were set to fly to Italy for their destination wedding at the end of the month. <laughs> they were going to go to Italy for a destination wedding, found that the dog ate his passport. Um, <laughs> to salvage their, their wedding plans, uh, Mr. Fratoli. I uh, contacted local congressional representatives seeking help. Representative Stephen Lynch and Sen Senator Edward Markey uh, fortunately were sympathetic and were able to help out. The couple remains optimistic about securing a replacement passport in time, but it's not uh, been 
delivered yet. If it doesn't work out, uh, Mr. Frateroli and his fiance may have to journey to Italy, or his fiance may have to journey without him, which would kind of ruin the idea of a destination wedding, wouldn't it? That'd be uh, a bit of a letdown if the groom can't uh, can attend his own destination wedding there. By the way, uh, the dog is, uh, it's still their dog. They still love their dog. Uh, they're keeping the dog, but uh, <laughs> the dog is in the doghouse uh, for sure. There you go. Uh, that is today's broken news report, an update of the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Finley's Andy Ritz on becoming a Finley Rotarian. After 35 years working as a pediatrician in Finley, I wanted to give back to the community, but not at my job, but as a service that would reach many people. The best way to do this was for me to join Finley Rotary, and that's what I did in February of 2022. To become part of an organization that brings together business, professional leaders to provide community service and advance goodwill, contact Findlay Rotary at FindlayRotary.org and click on join. This message provided by WFIN. And now your daily download, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives. And now that the kids are heading back to school and uh, families are in that mode, vacation, summer vacation uh, time has has ended. This is a pretty popular time for a lot of folks uh, who don't have kids to start planning their vacation. I know my wife and I have done this uh, since we become empty nesters. We like to uh, travel during what they call the shoulder season after summer, you know, the hot time of summer uh, ends and before the holiday season begins, kind of the shoulder season when things are a little less crowded Typically, they become a little more affordable, but, uh, you know, it's a good time to travel if you don't have kids. So if you find yourself in that situation, the folks at TravelMag.com have compiled a list of the most exclusive beach destinations in the world. And when I say exclusive, you can read that as expensive, the most expensive beach destinations in the world. And I thought it was really interesting, uh, the destinations that pop up in their top 20 list, because you would think that the most expensive beach destinations would be, you know, exotic international locales. And there are a number of those on the list, but the majority, 11 out of the top 20, actually are in the U.S., most expensive beaches. And maybe even more surprisingly, all but two are on the East Coast. You think about how expensive California is, but uh, nine out of the 11 uh, that are in the U.S. are on the East Coast, including the number one most expensive beach in the world, Nantucket, Massachusetts. And I should qualify this, the way they... Uh, did that they considered all destinations worldwide that had a minimum of 20 hotels and inns and at least one beach. They only uh, considered hotels rated at least three stars or higher and located close to the town or city center and or the beach itself. And they calculated the average price for the cheapest available double room 
during the month of August. So this is how they came up with the list. Nantucket, Massachusetts, number one most expensive beach in the world with an average per night room rate of $694. That's not even the average. I I should say that's the cheapest. Again, Nantucket. Uh, Far and away, number one. Number two on the list, Positano, Italy at $481 a night. So it's not even close. Montauk, New York was third at $478 a night. Saint-Tropez in France, $440 a night was number four. And Kennebunkport, Maine, number five on the list at $406 a night. After that, you get to Provincetown, Massachusetts, Capri Town in Italy, Bar Harbor, Maine, Monaco, which again, you think of an exotic destination, Monaco, right? But it's only ninth on the list, $381 a night, a veritable bargain. Santa Monica, California, the first West Coast U.S. spot, number 10 on the list at $360 a night. Uh, Rehoboth Beach, Delaware is number 11. Cape May, New Jersey, Portland, Maine, Ocean City, New Jersey. Ibiza Town, Spain is number 15. Santa Eularia de Rio in Spain is number 16. Platus Gialos in Greece, number 17. Amalfi, Italy, number 18. And I apologize if I'm butchering some of these names. <laughs> Places that I've never been. Pismo Beach, California, number 19. And Santa Margarita Ligure, Ligure in Italy is number 20 on the list at $292 a night. So there are actually some fairly affordable beach vacations that are still rather exclusive, according to the folks at TravelMag.com, the most expensive beaches in the world, if you're thinking about a late summer vacation where it's a little less crowded, a little more relaxed. Well, you remember yesterday we were talking on the program about using artificial intelligence to help your business. What about making AI your business? This technology is creating a profound shift in the jobs that we do and how we do them. And joining us now is Amy Reagan Morehouse, Senior Vice President of Global Education at ServiceNow. Amy, what is the impact of AI on workers right now today i mean so much of the ai talk is about what the future holds what about the present well i think it's really interesting you're right ai is the topic du jour uh and what i think is really interesting we partnered with pearson to really dig in and do some research in this area and we certainly found that while potentially 23 million jobs in the u.s could be impacted or affected in some way by this kind of disruptive technology in the next couple of years, there's actually a lot of opportunity for workers. And I think because what we found was that when, you know, employers are looking at implementing a digital transformation strategy, they've got to bring the people with them. And the technology can be put in place to not replace employees, Mm -hmm. but to make their work better and easier. And I think it really is a time for upskilling opportunities as we redefine these jobs moving forward. 
So, and, and because that's always the fear uh, is technology replacing people. And again, this is not a new thing. Uh, it happened in blue collar industries with the uh, introduction of uh, computerized automation for uh, three or four decades ago. Now we're seeing it more in white collar uh, jobs as AI matures and so on. So, you have uh, what you call the Rise Up with ServiceNow program. Now, how are you using that to, uh, to scale up these opportunities? Well, I think one of the interesting things in the research is that even industries where the jobs are being disruptive, people in those roles have great holistic skills to bring to bear, like communication, collaboration, you know, analytical thinking. Those are going to be the power skills needed and the most in-demand skills needed in tech. And now Rise Up with ServiceNow is our global talent movement. We have committed to skilling up a million people on the ServiceNow platform between now and the end of 2024. And the Rise Up with ServiceNow program includes training. It includes coaching and mentoring, hands-on experiences, and also really providing a way to upgrade people's skills and get them ready for this digital first kind of workplace of the future. I think it's also an opportunity for as companies are putting in this technology, they're really doing it to make employees' lives easier. And so we can implement skilling programs and upskilling programs in these environments so that everyone can be moving forward as the technology progresses. And I think it also opens up some pathways to people who never saw themselves in tech. I really think there's an advantage here yeah. for bringing all of our great skills into these new roles. Well, that is certainly a, a good point. One of the things, and maybe we haven't thought about this or talked about it enough, uh, the uh, rise of AI means just about everybody's job will, in one way, shape, or form, become a technology-related job, if you look at it that way. Now, let me uh, play, I don't want to say play devil's advocate here, but what is the difference between this program and other upskilling initiatives that a, a company may individually be rolling out? Because there are a lot of these similar types of programs or ones that are billed as uh, in a similar vein. What's the, what makes this stand out? Well, I've been in the education business for about 10 years, helping people develop tech skills. And I came to ServiceNow because I really feel this program is unique. We're looking at all the skills necessary in the job. So yes, we will certainly teach the technology skills and those keep, you know, advancing all the time. So we're looking for lifelong learners here. We also want to make sure that people are really developing those core human skills that are going to make them successful in the job. Like how do you work with teams? How do you resolve problems and look at things from many angles? So we're focusing on the, both the tech and the holistic skills to make people successful. And another differentiator is with our platform, ServiceNow is actually providing generative AI capabilities to our customers. So not only are people getting skilled up on, on general tech skills and specific tech skills, they're getting next generation tech skills right now that are cutting edge as part of this program. But we're doing it in a way that provides everyone that pathway and the support they need to take advantage of these opportunities. 
Now, we mentioned that this is not just something that is looming out there in the future. A lot of this is happening right now. So this is a program that is benefiting uh, individuals right now. You have uh, some success stories or examples of how uh, individuals have benefited from this program? Oh, we sure do, Chris. And they're such inspiring stories. We've already skilled up 400,000 people in the Rise Up program to date. Uh, but let me just give you a couple of examples, maybe one from sort of nearby Kentucky. Uh, someone skilled themselves up to be a certified implementation specialist. They moved up the ranks at their organization and they ended up going into their own business and then now mm-hmm. a CEO of a data visualization company. So it's kind of like unlocking these pathways. We also have stories of folks who were in customer service for 20 years, someone who decided to start a restaurant and then COVID hit and they had to pivot. Well, she had to pick a trajectory to go on. She jumped on with Rise Up With Service Now and now actually a developer in our ecosystem. So it's amazing to see these success hmm. stories really laying path forward for so many individuals. You know, the other thing that I take away in hearing you uh, talk about some of those stories is some of those job titles or career fields are things that we've never even heard of before. And it probably just, uh, I think, underscores the limitless possibilities that there are here. I love how you phrase that. You're right. Actually, you know, if people are interested in the program, they can go to our Rise Up homepage and it's servicenow.com forward slash rise up. And there we actually outline what are these jobs? What does that career look like? And how do I take the first step in that journey? Because we really want to make sure that people can understand and see themselves in these pathways of these jobs of the future. And the possibility, really important. Yeah. And the possibility actually exists that maybe someone uh, takes this and runs with it and comes up with a whole completely different idea that it hasn't even been thought of yet. Again, we talk about what AI is doing now, what it holds for the future. You know, who knows what the, uh, what the possibilities hold uh, on down the line. Really interesting stuff. Uh, again, Amy Reagan Morehouse, Senior Vice President of Global Education at ServiceNow. Mention again the uh, website where folks can learn more about these uh, resources. Yeah, go to servicenow.com forward slash rise up. Amy, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thanks so much, Chris. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, of course, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage. Check us out online at goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, a new bank rate survey finds that younger investors are more likely to be proactive in response to changing economic conditions. But is that increased proactivity a good or a bad thing? We'll take a closer look. So until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. We'll catch you back here tomorrow.